Aradan, a chief officer, Nergal, Shariza, a high official, and all the other officers of the king of Babylon sent and had Jeremiah taken out of the courtyard of the guard. They handed him over to Gedaliah, son of Ahikim, the son of Shaphan, to take him back to his home. So he remained among his own people. While Jeremiah had been confined in the courtyard of the guard, the word of the Lord came to him. Go and tell Ebed-Melech the Cushite, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. I'm about to fulfill my words against this city, words concerning disaster, not prosperity. At that time, they will be fulfilled before your eyes. But I will rescue you on that day, declares the Lord. You will not be given into the hands of those you fear. I will save you. You will not fall by the sword, but will escape with your life, because you trust in me, declares the Lord. Good evening, everyone. My name is Stephen Dimitri. I'm a youth minister of Bishop Manson Church, and it is wonderful to see you. Catherine, what am I the reading? Like tough names in there, nailed them. Um, last time I was up here, I was talking about uh, sunlight uh, glaring through the, the, the dark clouds, um, and it was like hope and lovely and wonderful. This time's a bit different. This time we're in Jeremiah 39. And uh, see, I spent a bit of time in, in, um, in Hong Kong, and Hong Kong is amazing, but it was there that I first experienced my first full-on like downpour. Like torrential downpour. We're not talking English drizzle. This was like full on rain, like hard pellets of rain that, that, that like scour your skin. It, it, it was whoa. But like the whole day, you could sense it was coming. Dark clouds had been like looming and gathering and like hanging over the city. The air was just like thick and claggy and like, you know, it was kind of like the whole city was anticipating this, this massive downpour. Like, impending doom <laughs> and then it came and it was oh amazing but 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 like it's like that in life as well isn't it um certain events like lie on the horizon and they got a sense, a sense of impending doom um and like things like uh difficult meetings or dentist appointments or exams year 11s year 13s for you that they've been on the horizon for a while and they get like this impending sense of doom and that waiting time is often like more tense more stressful more difficult than the actual event you know and when the event comes around, it's finally like a little bit of relief. Like, oh, a weird sense of relief. Yes. But that same impending sense of doom has been going through the whole of Jeremiah up to this point. We've gone through 38 chapters waiting for this moment. 38 chapters, um, which covers a time of 40 years of Jeremiah's ministry, waiting for Jeremiah 39. 40 years, Jeremiah's been saying, judgment's coming, judgment's coming, judgment's coming. And here, in the terrible climax of Jeremiah, we get this incredible downpour. Uh, judgment comes. So let's have a little look at it. Um, end of Jeremiah 38, beginning of 39, it says this. This is how Jerusalem was taken. In the tenth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the tenth month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, marched against Jerusalem with his whole army, and they'd siege to it. And on the ninth day of the fourth month of Zedekiah's eleventh year, the city wall was broken through. Like 586 BC, that, that's roughly where we are. And, 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 um, there's a little timeline to help you in case you're, you're lost. Um, 586 BC, and the Babylonians have been uh, around, surrounding Jerusalem, besieging it for, for the last 18 months. And eventually, 
the city falls. Judgment, judgment comes. That's where we are. Uh, and, and did you see the kind of judgment that, that, that comes on God's people in verse 8? The Babylonians set fire to the royal palace and the houses of the people and broke down the walls of Jerusalem. Like they run in and they ransack and they destroy. And that's not all. Uh, have a look at verse 3. Verse 3. Then all the officials of the king of Babylon came and took seats in the middle, na- in middle gates. These are all the, the big name people that Catherine read out. Um, that, that's a bit like people coming to, to, to England, going to Buckingham Palace, right? And sitting on the queen's throne, wearing her crown and saying, yeah. We're here now. This is our land. This is our city. That's what's going on here in Jeremiah 39. And see, it's hard for us uh, here in England, in the West 2019, to get into the mindset of that. But just imagine the devastation of the city. Like the air would have been thick with smoke. Like cries of terror ringing all around like buildings crumbling and falling, smoldering in the distance, like hot and, 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 and panicked faces everywhere, Babylonians charging around. It would have been awful as judgment comes. And that's not all. Here's the rest of the judgment. Um, in Jeremiah 39, verse 9, Nebuzaradan, the commander of the imperial guard, carried off into exile to Babylon, the people who remained in the city. So a part of this judgment coming is exile. And God's people are carried away from their home and taken off 2,700 kilometers away into Babylon. And it's a bit like my grandparents, I told somebody this last time, in 1974, their Greek Cypriots living in Cyprus at the time, the Turkish invasion came and they had to pack up their homes, leave their stuff and run, not knowing if or when they'd be back. But for God's people in 586 BC, it is so much worse because for them... They don't go out of their free will, they're they're in chains, they're forced out of their homes. They have to leave everything behind, not knowing if or when they return. And you can picture them like turning around and looking at the city as it smoulders and and crumbles in the background in floods of tears. Judgment comes. And it gets so much worse when we think about what Jerusalem stood for. Because, Because Jerusalem was like the heart of God's people. This was like their spiritual home. They'd been here since 2 Samuel chapter 5, way back in 1003 BC, when David conquered Jerusalem. They'd been here nearly 420 years, right? And it was where the temple was. It was their land, their home. And now they're forced out. And see, it would have felt like their, their relationship with God was being ripped apart as they're being ripped out of their city. Judgment comes. And if you want to get just how raw this is, um, read Lamentations. Uh, It's a book of of, of the bleeding and beating heart of a people in exile. Read it to see the raw hurt these people are going through. Judgment comes. And see... This is mentioned four times in the Bible, twice in Jeremiah, because this is potentially the second lowest moment in the whole entire Bible. God's people out of God's land, away from God's promises. Things look so bleak and dark. But it's a terrible reminder of the consequences of sin. Like sin has major and serious consequences. Rejecting God leads to judgment. Judgment comes in Jeremiah 39. And it's not just on the people, but also... On the king, too. Now, um, I love roller coasters. Uh, I hope some of you do, too. But but in roller coasters, there's always uh, this moment, the point of no return, right? See, you're in the queue, and you're waiting for the roller coaster. Well, you can look up it and go, 
actually, no thanks. And you can turn around and walk out. All you've got to do is the cue walk of shame. Excuse me, excuse me, sorry. That, that kind of thing. But, but, but you can get out nice and easy. Easy, you can get out. Even when you get to the front of the line, right, and you're there, and the carriage is in front of you, you can just walk straight through and go to the exit. Happy days. But as soon as you get in those seats, and they come crashing down, and they lock you in, that's the point of no return. Right At that moment, you are not getting off until that thing's go down. Like You ain't getting out till it's gone down. The point of no return on the roller coaster. And, and see, for Zedekiah, the king of Judah at the time, uh, he reaches a spiritual point of no return. He reaches a point where, well, his actions have serious consequences. Because um, last, last week, David returns in, in Jeremiah 38, verse 17, we read this, what God says to Zedekiah. Have a little look there. It's on page 802 of the Bibles. Jeremiah 38, verse 17, God says, If you surrender to the officers of the king of Babylon, your life will be spared and the city will not be burned down. You and your family will live. But if you will not surrender, this city will be given into the hands of the Babylonians and they will burn it down. You yourself will not escape from them. So Zedekiah, king of Judah, has two options, right? Option one, stay, surrender, be safe, and the whole city lives happily. Lovely. Option two, run at his peril. And, and did you see what, what Zedekiah chose? Have a little look. Um, Jeremiah 39, verse 4. When Zedekiah, king of Judah, and all the soldiers saw them, that's the Babylonians, they fled. They left the city at night by way of the king's garden. Zedekiah flees. He runs away. Like cowardly Zedekiah leaves his people to save his own skin. And he's always like creeping out the back way, like, like, like the king's garden, trying to escape. And as he does, as he crosses the, the boundary of the city wall, he reaches that point of no return. Like as he walks out of the city, he seals his fate and the fate of all the people in the city. Judgment comes. And... But, but actually, like I was thinking about it, because it's hard for us to be like critical of Zedekiah, because if I'm in his shoes, if I'm the king, and there's an army intent on destroying me and my city, like I'm running, I'm not sticking around to see what the Babylonians are going to do to me. Like, I'm getting out of there pretty sharpish, because that, they're scary people. Like, I'm running out of there, because that, that's the natural and easy thing, right? But Zedekiah is a reminder to us that the natural and easy thing isn't always a spiritual thing. It wasn't for him uh, in Jeremiah 39, it's not for us here in 2019 either. But the natural thing is not always the spiritual thing. See, for us, the natural thing to be quiet about our faith at work or with our family, or the easy thing to side with society on big issues like abortion and same-sex marriage, that's not the spiritual thing. That's not the God thing, because God says in his word what we do. And we stick to God's word even when it goes against the natural thing. Because he's right. <laughs> And if Zedekiah had done that, if he'd listened to God, well, who knows? But what we do know is that judgment comes because of his actions. Oh. Uh, there we are. We'll catch up. Uh, see, here's what happens to him. And if you're squeamish, um, do cover your eyes, cover your ears, because this is barbaric. It's on the screen. The Babylonian army uh, pursued them. They captured Zedekiah and took him to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. There... The king of Babylon slaughtered the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes. They put out Zedekiah's eyes and bound him with bronze shackles, take him to Babylon. So, so they, they, they hunt him down. 
They get his sons in front of him. They slaughter his sons and they poke his eyes out and then pack him off. His sons are murdered. And the word there is slaughtered. It's a bit like a butcher carving up meat. This is savage. And it happens right before his eyes. And then those same eyes are ripped out. So the last thing Zedekiah would have seen, his sons brutally murdered by the king of Babylon. Like seared into his skull. This is horrible. Judgment comes. Yet, judgment comes exactly like God said. The the judgment comes exactly like God said. Um, Now, there was a time... I think it's still going on, where there was a program called Question of Sport. Oh, I used to love this thing. I think it's still going on. It's amazing. Anyway, there's a round called the What Happened Next round. And they show you a video of like a sporting event. And then you see if you can work out what was going to happen next. And so I thought we'd throw that in the evening service just to mix it up a little bit. So we've got a little What Happened Next video. If you've seen it, don't ruin it. Here we go. Evan, there's been a lot of changes this offseason for your team. How do you feel your chances are in the AL East? Um, I mean, I love our chance. What happened next? Tell us next to you what you think was, was going to happen next. If you haven't seen this, this is sensational. Here we go. Let's see what happens next. Evan, there's been a lot of changes this offseason for your team. How do you feel your chances are in the AL East? Um, I mean, I love our chances. You know, it's been. Uh, <laughs> wow. Isn't that amazing? And I love what he says at the end of it. He's like, keep it on the field, guys. <laughs> like, oh, Evan, what, what, like, oh, wow, cat-like reflexes. But, 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 like, we struggle to work out what's going to happen next in a sporting clip. Like, like we can't predict the future. We're, we're little, fallible human beings, right? But God, he always knows what happens next. He always knows what's going to happen. See, because judgment in Jeremiah 39 comes exactly like God said. And it's kind of like uncanny just how accurate God's words are. And so I'm going to show you a little, a tiny little portion of how, how accurate these things are. So first off, um, Jeremiah 1 verse 15, right at the beginning of Jeremiah's ministry, um, God says to him, Their kings will come and set up their thrones in the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem. And have a little look at Jeremiah 39 verse 3. What's happening there? The officials came and took their seats in the middle gate. Like, judgment comes exactly like God said. And then the next one, um, Jeremiah 21, verse 10, God says, The city will be given to the hands of the king of Babylon, and he will destroy it by fire. City in the hands of the Babylonians. Check. Verse 8 of chapter 39, the city destroyed by fire. Check. Like, judgment comes exactly like God says. And even what happens to Zedekiah, like, happens exactly like God said too. Because back in uh, Jeremiah 32, verse 4, God said, Zedekiah, king of Judah, you will not escape the Babylonians, but will certainly be given into the hands of the king of Babylon, and will speak with him face to face and see him with your very own eyes. Like, do you see the irony there? (laughs) Zedekiah saw the king of Babylon face to face, and that would be the last thing he would ever see. 
Like judgment comes exactly like God says. And again, it's another another reminder for us, a terrible reminder of the consequences of sin. God does not make empty threats or promises. Uh, he always sticks to his word. Sin has terrible and dark consequences. And judgment comes exactly like God said. And actually, and you think about how much it cost God to be true to his word too. Have you thought about that? I mean, princes were slaughtered. Kings were blinded. His city was ransacked. As one writer said, um, his heritage was handed over to strangers, the sheep of his pasture devoured by the wild beast of the nations. Like this cost God to be true to his word. But judgment comes exactly like he said. Well, exactly like he said through Jeremiah. Because this Jeremiah 39 is kind of like Jeremiah's um, I told you so moment. You know, I told you so. Hands up if you like saying I told you so. Put those hands up. If you like saying I told you so. One, Matt, okay. Hands up if you like hearing I told you so. We hate hearing I told you so, right? Because it means we got something wrong. And we we love saying it because like, yeah, look at me. I got that right. No one else did. I saw that coming. See, this is Jeremiah's I told you so moment. Because Jeremiah 39, the city walls crumbling, Babylonians coming into the city is proof that Jeremiah is God's man speaking God's message. Like, it's proof. I told you so. For Jeremiah... I mean, think about it. He's gone, he's gone for 40 years. 40 years he's been saying, judgment is coming. The Babylonians are coming. Judgment is coming. Babylonians are coming over and over. And do you remember how he's been treated over those 40 years? He's been ignored. He's been insulted. He's been thrown down a cistern. He's been locked up. He's been beaten. He's had his scrolls burnt before his eyes. Like, like, he, he's had it pretty rough for 40 years. And no doubt he's questioning himself, doubting himself, thinking... Oh, what's going to happen? Yet Jeremiah 39 is vindication. Like, as the Babylonians come in, it's this weird sense of, oh, God, you were right. Like, like, judgment comes exactly like God said, um, I, I, and Jeremiah is vindicated. I told you so. And, and, and actually, for us, when we're insulted for our faith uh, at school uh, or with our friends and family, when we're finding it hard to be a Christian because of the pressure of society, this is a reminder for us to keep on going. Because it may take 40 years, may take 30 years, may take a whole lifetime, but vindication is coming. Because judgment comes exactly like God said. And did, and did you see how, how Jeremiah was, was, was vindicated? Have a little look at um, verse... Oh, I lost my place. Verse 11. Um, this, is what, this is what the king of Babylon does for, for Jeremiah. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, gave his orders about Jeremiah. Take him and look after him. Don't harm him, but do for him whatever he asks. Like, that's amazing. If you think about it, this is the king of Babylon, like the king of God's enemies. And he's heard of little old Jeremiah. Oh, it's a bit like, a bit like if the queen, her majesty, like, I had heard of Tim Gage. There you are. Uh, and sent him like blessings and money and stuff and looked after him. Uh, only it's so much work because it's so much bigger because it's, this is the king of God's enemies who's heard of little Jeremiah. And he frees him and takes care of him. It's also kind of ironic and sad, isn't it? That, that, that like God's people lock up God's prophets. And now God's enemies are acting more like God's people than God's people are because <laughs> they free God's prophet. 
And it's sad in our lives too when people who don't trust Jesus live and look more like Christians than we do. But even what happens to Jeremiah there happens exactly like God said. Because way back in Jeremiah 1 verse 19, God said this, The people will fight against you, but they will not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you. Isn't that Jeremiah's life summed up? Isn't that like, like, like this little bit of Jeremiah 39 in microcosm? Like, like, that's exactly what happened. See, see, God is always good to his word. God is always good to his word. Judgment comes exactly like God said. God never makes empty promises. Um, and how different is that from us? Um, way back, uh, actually last year, on the 26th of May, um, I made uh, two promises. Two promises. Number one, that I would go and visit Sam Sargent at university. He's a young person here. Go and visit him, have lunch with him at Bill's and like, chat to him and pray with him and stuff. Lovely. I promised two, that, 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 that I would go and visit Matt Funnel, the guy from this church, and go and see him at a place called May Camp and encourage him and chat to him there. Uh, two promises, right, on 28th of May. The, the, 26th of May, sorry. The, the, the day comes, sun shining, beautiful. The drive is going absolutely lovely. Vauxhall Corsa, little grey thing. Oh, delightful. Until the M25. Right? M25. And, 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 and I'm there, fifth gear, like, 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 like struggling to go past 30 miles an hour. That's a bad sign if your foot's like that down to the floor, fifth gear. Like, that's the first bad sign. Second bad sign, like the, the car starts shaking. And I'm like, okay, this is bad. And then smoke starts coming out. Now when smoke comes out, young people, if you're driving, um, when smoke comes out, get to the side straight away. Uh, at that point, I'm like, okay, time to go over. Um, and, and, and call the AA man. He turns up and looks at it and goes, nah, mate, it's gone. Gutted, and then I've got to have the two-hour awkward tow truck chat, you know, getting back to Hove. Anyway, um, but 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 like all of this meant that I could not keep my promises to Sam or Matt. I, I broke them both because even despite my good intentions, I am not always good to my word. I break my promises. We all do, don't we? Car malfunctions, freak weather events, or horrible sickness bugs that stop us keeping our word. But that's not ever true of God. God is always good to his word. Always. Because he has the power to make anything happen. He says it happens. God is always good to his word. And I'd love us as a church to be people that are like our God. That keep our word even when it's costly to us. That's what God does. Because we live in a flaky culture, don't we? 2019, the flaky culture, um, um, where, where, where young people especially, you, you, you can grow up and go to stuff, or you can say yes to something, and then change your mind last minute if something better comes up, can't you? I'd love us to be different to that. Like God's the God who commits and says yes. I'd love us as a church to, to make our yes, yes, and our no, no. To be good to our word as, as far as it depends on our power, because God's good to his word. <laughs> Judgment comes exactly like God said. And this kind of gets real for us too, because judgment will come exactly like God said. See, for every single one of us sitting in this room, the dark clouds are gathering. The air is getting thick and dense. Judgment will come. God's undiluted, full wrath of sin, wrath of, sorry, wrath of judgment on sin will come on us. And that is a terrifying prospect. And for each one of us, there's a point of no return. 
Because when Jesus comes back, that's it. If you're not trusting him, you're going to face that full, undiluted wrath of God and judgment on sin. And your fate will be like Zedekiah's, only so much worse. We thought he had it bad. The judgment to come is going to be worse. An eternity of darkness, an eternity of despair, an eternity of decay. Truly frightening. But it doesn't have to be frightening. See, there is a way we can see sun breaking through the clouds. There's a way we can live in pure, beautiful sunlight and hope for eternity. And how? Because of Jesus. God's son, uh, God's king. See, Zedekiah was the king who ran from judgment. Jesus is the king who ran towards judgment. Jesus is the king who went on a cross and, and faced the full, undiluted downpour of God's wrath so that everyone who trusts in him can be sheltered for eternity. It's a bit like, a bit like this. A bit like Jesus is, is one of these. Um, an umbrella. See, I'm going to open it inside, hope... No one minds. Oh. You're not like that. Okay. Wonderful. Anyway, you get the picture, right? He's an umbrella. <laughs> Look at the screen. That's a better picture. Um, <laughs> Jesus is like, is like the umbrella, right? Um, um, he, he, he takes the... the, the he, oh, thanks, Tim. Because he sort it out. Good man. Look at that. Oh, what a legend. Um... <laughs> Oh, yes! Now we're talking. Yes. There we go. Um, thanks, Tim. Um, if, if, if you're in a rainstorm, right, you put an umbrella up, and the umbrella keeps you dry, keeps you shower, keeps you safe. But think about what happens to this thing. See, this thing gets absolutely drenched and battered. This takes the full force of the elements so that you don't, so that you're sheltered and dry underneath. And that's... Just like Jesus, on the cross as he dies, he takes the full, undiluted downpour of God's wrath so that anyone who trusts in him can be sheltered for eternity. Isn't that awesome? And we get a little picture of this in Jeremiah 39, verse 18. A little foretaste of it. Have a little look at um, Ebed-Melech. This is awesome. God says to this guy, he says to Ebed-Melech, I will save you, I will rescue you, I will save you. Because you trust in me, declares the Lord. And God is good to his word, and that promise is the same for us today. God will rescue and save and shelter us if we trust in him. So so the question for us here tonight is, do you trust in God? Do you trust in him to shelter you for eternity? Because I hope what you've seen in Jeremiah 39, that God is good to his word. He is trustworthy. Trusting him is not an outside bet or, or, or like a like a slim chance. It's an absolute nailed on certainty. He is good to his word. He doesn't make empty promises. He sticks to them. Which means we can build our life on his words, on his promises, on him. And see, I'd love us, the people who are building our life on this too. This is God's word. This is living and active word. In here are words that are true and certain, even when everything else around us isn't. This is true. And I'd love us to be inhaling this, eating it, reading it, digesting it, holding on to it, and memorizing chunks of it, because actually when it's dark and difficult, this stuff will keep you strong. See, God's good to his word. 
He will save and rescue us. He will hold us fast, even through the greatest storm. See, judgment will come, exactly like God said. In Jesus, we have shelter for eternity. Will you, do you trust in him? Let's pray. Father, thank you that you're not like us. Thank you that you're the God who sticks to his word, who is good to his word, and who keeps his promises always, forever, no matter what. Lord, that is great news. And Father, that that terrible judgment is coming. But thank you for your son, like that umbrella who shelters us from the full downpour. Lord, what an amazing gift. You are trustworthy. Help us to build our life on you and your words. Because you, Lord, are awesome. Amen.